I very much actually literally picture in my mind, I'm a mountain and a mountain is mm. able to sit strongly in his foundation. The storm can rage around him, but he's unmoved. And so for me, I want to be able to sit in that strength and be able to have equanimity throughout the ups and the downs. Are you ready to master your mindset and your business? Join thousands of women each week who use this podcast as a tool to create financial and emotional wealth. And when you're ready to scale to the next level, visit theunstoppablewoman.com slash go. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am super excited for our guest today. This is a colleague of mine, Chris Duffy, and he is an amazing man, amazing, no longer business owner. He just sold his business. We're going to get into the, the details of that, a podcaster in his own right. And you may be wondering why a man on the podcast and it's not like we don't have men on the podcast ever, but there's always an angle or a reason that I like to bring. And Chris has been busy. He has four, count them, four daughters. And we thought it would be a super interesting perspective to bring to the podcast to have a man who's running a business or has recently been running a, a multi-million dollar business, talk about what it's like to run a business, raise four girls and raise them to be strong, unstoppable women in this world and what, what that takes. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. Amira, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited and looking forward to this conversation. There's so much that I want to be able to share. I'm really looking forward to this. Yes, and you might all all notice that Chris has that that sexy Australian accent. So tell everyone where where you're from, what your business was. Give them a little bit of a context of your journey, and and okay. In a nutshell, I'm uh, obviously as you can tell through my Australian accent, which hopefully you can actually understand me. Uh, from Sydney, Australia. At the age of 18, I became a personal trainer because I was actually really overweight as a child. It really held me back. Um, it really caused a lot of like unhappiness uh, within myself uh, being overweight. And I learned to lose the weight. I became a personal trainer at 18 because I wanted to help others be able to start going through that transformation. I ran a great personal training. Well, it wasn't a great, but it was an okay personal training business. Uh, in Sydney and it grew to be an agency, had trainers working for me, like everything was going great. I married the woman of my dreams when I was 25. And then uh, I found our Lauren, my wife and I, we found out that she was pregnant when we were 26. And she was actually told as a teenager that it was likely that she would never be able to bear children. And it was a, an amazing piece of news. Three days later, I actually got the opportunity to move to Dubai to start a fitness business there, which was brilliant timing because to be honest, I was in a place where I was really unhappy with my work. Like I just, I was in a position where I could not see myself ever getting out of where I was like, what am I doing? I'm running this business. I'm earning okay money. I just bought my second property in Sydney. And I was like ticking the boxes of success, like what people have told us to do so that we can be successful and happy. And then after just finding out my wife was pregnant, I was like, I just saw this like white picket, plain vanilla life, like unfolding in front of me. And I was like, I didn't sign up for this. Like I didn't consciously choose any of these things and it was freaking me out. And then this opportunity came up uh, to start this business in Dubai, I took it and I sold my car, I sold my house, I sold my clients, like I gave everything away. My wife was six months pregnant and I flew to Dubai. I knew one person on the other side. I slept on a couch for three months so I could get that business up and running. Flew back to Sydney. My wife gave birth to our fabulous eldest daughter, Arlo. We all moved to Dubai together. Uh, and it was not sunshines and rainbows because I burnt out again, <laughs> running the business in Dubai. And then that's when I started to dabble with the online business 
stuff back so in let's pause there let's pause there one second you said that's where i burnt out again okay so mm-hmm. there was burnout the, the the story i heard was like it was just not the vision it was too much white picket fences and not enough you know adventure but there was burnout there and this is a big thing from for our audience is like they they they're driven they go hard they they have a lot of initiative and they have big dreams and goals and they're not afraid of the that hard work that the effort that's required to build a business and there's this pushback because they don't want the burnout so now you've had two experiences of this it's tell me a little bit about that because that seems that now that's a pattern correct yes would you it say is. and it very much is and it's very um astute of you Amira, to pick up on that because for me with my experiences of it and i think there's different spectrums but i think typically when we say burnout i think the root of it is doing something that doesn't actually serve you at the purpose that you need to be doing it is a lack of uh, energy it is entropy it is doing the things that you are not completely lit up and aligned with and that's the difference because For example, today, right now, I've actually got eight pieces of content that I need to shoot. So there's actually uh, six interviews that I'm doing today. And then I've got a couple of other videos to shoot with this videographer that will come. I'm lit up about this. like, And that's the thing. I've I've just sold my company less than a week ago. I'm doing more work now than I've been doing in the previous months, which is fantastic. But it's work that you love. Yeah. Yeah. It's work that you love. It's like what you're creating, the creation side. So uh, did you get sucked in? Because I think what happens, tell me if you agree, is I think what happens is you have this idea. I'm going to move to Dubai. I'm going to start this business. You're you're, you're all in. You're in the same place that you're in right now. You're excited about it. You're engaged. It's, It's a new adventure. And then the adventure becomes less new. And maybe there's some commonality here with relationships, right? Like there's the honeymoon stage and then it becomes less honeymoon and more normalized. And how do you, how do you keep it uh, exciting, engaging, aligned, or do you not? Does it, it, does it just get, I mean, did you sell your business because at some point it got to the place of, I'm skipping ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. No, but no, I, did it I, get I to that. to the place where I'm like, I'm no longer in creation mode, and I no longer know how to add life to it in these other ways. So it has to. It just has to shift. The pattern that I've continued to see within myself and the experience, I think, more points to its evolution as a person so for example like when i first went to dubai i literally worked around the clock like i would wake up at four in the morning so that i could see like a 6 a.m client i would see clients all throughout the day i'd get a training session in for myself i'd come home at night cook dinner like go to bed start again and the thing was i I was just in like machine warrior operating mode going through it and i could align with that So there's a couple of different parts to this, which I feel like is number one, if you're feeling burnt out, struggling, you're not having that motivation and inspiration to do what it is that you need to do, questioning oneself and saying, am I aligned with what I'm doing right now? Because for me, it was, there's many, many, many evolutions that I've gone through and it's accepting that fact as well also accepting that there is pain along the way. So using the pain teacher to be able to highlight that awareness of what's going on with it. And for me, that's helped. And then to skip across to the other part of your question as well, Amira, which is like, why did I sell? To be perfectly honest, it really came down to this one like phrase that encapsulated it for me as I was really thinking this through. And it was, I want to be more, I don't want to have more. And again, it was an evolution. I just evolved past this business. Like I was like, I don't want to talk about and do that stuff. I want to talk about and do this other stuff. And like selling a coaching business is really rare. And one of the biggest problems I had was I didn't have a lot of like models or people to kind of be like, oh, like, oh, that's how they did it. So I very much went through this process 
making it up as I went through. <laughs> and brilliantly, mm-hmm. it was a fantastic, fantastic exit. And I would do it. I can have them talk about so much of that as well. But the reason why I sold was because I knew that I had grown past what this business was serving and how it was doing it. And I wanted to become more and I wanted to test myself and I wanted to go onto other avenues. So I had to let that go. Yeah. You are totally speaking my language and the language of this podcast. I talk about all the time are more life directive. Like we're, we're, we're as humans, if we're tapped into this, we know it, we feel it. It's, it's our directive to, to follow our growth path. And, and if we get tapped, if we, if we hit that limit, it feels horrible and we don't know what's stopping us and we have to break through and we have to, you know, become more to, to grow into, to our full potential. And of course that full potential keeps growing. So, okay. I have more questions for you. Can I, can I shift into this? You said something yeah. about pain. And I just want to go back to that. Cause I think there's, mm-hmm. there's the perspective that I think I can slip into that. I hear other entrepreneurs slip into other people who have built you know, multiple million dollar businesses, they have some uber level of success and they can say, you know, I don't, I, I, I want a different kind of life. I don't want to work like that. I'm not going to grind it out in the same way. It doesn't have to be a struggle. You don't have to, uh, it doesn't have to be painful. And I totally get that. It's a value stance that I have. It's like change your perspective so that you're all in on what you're doing or change what you're doing so that you're all in on what you're doing. That said, I personally believe, I'm interested in your take on this. I personally believe that there's effort that you have to put in and that in the beginning, when you grow a business, you don't know how much effort that is. And you have to become someone who understands that that level of effort and that kind of capacity. And when I heard you say like, I was up at four and I was doing this all day and I was doing it day over day over day. It's like in the beginning, I had to put that level of intensity and, and, and there are times still in my business where I, I'm like, okay, this is go time. We need to put this level of intensity in. And I've learned to grow my capacity and not be afraid of that and to trust myself and understand my limits and all of those things. But I, I find it often disingenuous where people say, if I could tell my earlier self one thing, it would be take it easy. Don't, don't, don't stress out so much. Don't go so hard. And I'm like, you would never get where you're at if you didn't have that level of of pressure to some degree. Okay, you got the mic now. Do do you agree or disagree? I love this. I love this. And so, okay. Oh, this is good. So when people say, "Oh, I wish I didn't mean take it more easier," twenty year old Chris or whatever didn't mean twenty five or I'm thirty five now, like whatever, and like previous Chris. Uh, no, I would have said to him, bleed more, dude, go harder. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, okay. Look on one side, I have suffered from depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation. That has happened at many points during my life as well. They are dark times. I'm thankful for those dark times as well, because they've forged the man that I am today. And so I think with so many great questions, the answer is best held by having the strength to hold the tension between the paradox. And so if we look at this, I look at this in, uh, let's look at two different archetypes, okay? So for me, there's the warrior. The warrior, Chris, which was, I would literally say, uh, like we have a mutual mentor. And I've said to him many times, dude, just point me in the direction. I will run through walls to make this happen. I will bleed through my forehead. I will outwork absolutely everyone. Um, I was just talking with him yesterday and he goes, dude, you're the most disciplined person that I know. And I go, I know I am because I have literally consciously created who I am today to, to the best of my ability. On the other side, so we have warrior on one hand. On the other side of the spectrum, I see a wizard, okay? And I love so it. We have the person that is in the warrior that is just doing and grinding and just working his absolute backside off. And that has to happen at times. On the other side, there's the wizard, which he has 
the ability to sit back and strike his staff at the exact right time with minimal effort, yet the entire world changes. And so for me, I've got a friend and he actually says like there's levels to like entrepreneurship and it's you're an employee, then you're a manager, then you're a business owner, then you're an entrepreneur, uh, then you're an investor, and then you're a wizard. And he goes, if you find yourself working too hard, you're a shit wizard. And I was like, mm, there's some real truth to that because we have to understand that there's ebbs and flows, there's chapters to life, there's going to be times that are very hard there are going to be times where things are much easier and for me i very much actually literally picture in my mind i'm a mountain and a mountain is able to sit strongly in his foundation the storm can rage around him but he's unmoved and so for me i want to be able to sit in that strength and be able to have equanimity throughout the ups and the downs like Amira, uh, last Thursday was the closing date of the business. So I literally jump on a meeting, a Zoom call with Jameen, the head of the team. Uh, we had to do a bunch of stuff. So they were kicking me out of platforms like Slack and Asana and like security passwords changing and all of that stuff, right? Didn't take that long. Then we said our thanks and everything like that. I was like, peace out, close the Zoom call, done. 100% exited from the business. Absolutely like that's it for me. I went down to a beach bar down with my wife. I met her down there. I had a soda water. We sat there for about 30 minutes and I was like, I'm bored. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to train and like get on with my day. Then I had to pick my girls up from school. Like life goes on. And so for me, it was just being able to have more of a steady stream of balance, of equanimity, of strength, of presence, and then being able to understand as well. And I think that comes for me, my belief right now is I think that truly comes when you're able to take the highs and the lows and you're able to like mix it into a sense of peace for me. So for me, I'm wanting to optimize life to, for peace. And so when it comes to the pain, it's accepting the pain and it, it's looking mm -hmm. into it. It's going into it. It's asking it, why is this actually coming up? And then being able to have the level of awareness to make the right decisions moving forward. Because I was in deep pain before selling the business and very thankfully, I'd done the right things to get to the point to be able to then actually sell it so quickly and so easily. And like, it was a dream come true sale. So for me, it was very much a case of being able to understand or accept. I think accept. Uh, yeah. I think there's two words that come to me. Acceptance of what is, because that's reality. And I think stress only really comes when you're not accepting what reality is. Two... I think there comes a level of grace when you're able to lean back and let go of the stories that you're trying to tell yourself because oh, that non-attachment, so that dropping of the story is the basis of the problems that we're going to have. Totally. Chris, so juicy. Oh my God. Freaking love this. So... There's so many things I want to circle back to, but first I just have to say, don't be a shit wizard. That's th that I'm making a meme in my life. Okay. Don't be a totally, shit yeah. wizard. Okay. Just do that on my like, forehead. <laughs> totally. Because we are wizards. We can make this so much easier. We can tap in. We can, we can dial it in. You started off this conversation by talking about alignment and there, there is, such power. And I think people get confused here because they're told to uh, allow, let the universe, you know, align with the universe, l let things work. And then here we are. And I know I freaked everyone out by saying you have to be disciplined, work your, work your tail off, make it happen, right? There's a lot of people that are like going screaming from the room here. But a lot of other people will be grateful for that message and understand that like the duality doesn't have to be separate. The duality can be, you can hold both. Okay. You can hold both. So I, I freaking love that. I want to circle back to a couple other things you said. You talked about consciously creating your life. And you also talked about being 18 and, and being overweight and changing that completely. Very few people have mastery over those things have the ability to consciously create what they want. They say, 
I don't want this. This is painful. This is, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this, this. I'm going to do this instead and consciously create it. And it's a, it's a big part of what I, I teach and talk about on the podcast. Can you, can you share a bit about your process for consciously creating your life? Love this question. And I think you said one of the, the key words for me when it comes to this, and that's mastery. I want to be able to be a master in the things I absolutely love. And I think that only truly comes when we have a deep knowledge of what our values are. And so for me, I know what my values are. Like there are four key values and literally everything in my life. You look, if you looked at my calendar, that would reflect my values. If you look at my bank statement, that will reflect my values. Like if you look at the words that I speak, that will reflect my values. And so I think the beginning of this is understanding what are my values and what is most important to me. And then it's being able to get rid of everything else and being able to just focus on what it is that you really want to be able to do. And I think that comes by accepting the chapter of life that you are in right now. So so give us me, an example here. Like yeah. tell us what your values are, okay? And okay, how so that quite literally played right out. Now, um, so my values, my four values is wisdom. I want to be able to have a deep understanding and knowledge of practical philosophy to how to live a well-lived life. Two is health. I want to be able to look, feel, and perform at an exceptional world-class level every single day. Three is wealth. I want to be able to have the wealth for me that provides the life for myself and my family and my community. And four is going to be love. I want to be in loving relationships with my family and my friends. That's it. Like that's that's all four of it. And so for me, it's interesting because I can design my life around that really easily. I can have the practices, I can have the routines, the rituals, all of that stuff of what I do because it goes around these four values very simply. So therefore I'm not, I don't feel like there's huge distraction because I can palm off the other things because I know immediately, and that's just not what I'm truly interested in because I want mastering these four things. That's it, mastering these four things that I keep going through. How that looks today. So can, let, let me just interrupt there because I think this is very poignant. So oftentimes my, my uh, clientele, listeners of the podcast, they're women who are running businesses. They have kids, they have partnerships, they have husbands, wives, all the, all the things. And they want to have great health. They want to have great practical wisdom. They want to have great wealth and they want to have great relationships. And yet the way you speak about that makes it sound super easy. Like if I just acknowledge my values, it will be easy. And, and that is not, those are not the conversations I have. The conversations I have are, I, I'm torn between being there for my kids and like my health and getting a good workout in and my business. And I can't do anything well. It's not mastery. It feels like juggling balls and you're dropping them all the time. And, and two questions here. Do you think this is a male, female thing? Just how, how, how women approach responsibility and boundaries of time and commitment? Or do you think that this is how you have approached? And then if it's how you have approached, then please share because that would be a huge value to to our listeners. That how have you shown up as a father and a uh, and a husband and run a multi million dollar business and been in peak, you know, performance? All of that. Yeah, like I I get this a lot, and the beginning of this, the foundation that I wanted to live my life with left less compromises. So for me, it was very much the case of like, we all see the stories of someone doing you know, makes heaps of money, but then their relationships are terrible or they're doing you know, they climb the ladder of success, but then they're like, they're, they look crap. They feel crap. They die early. Like all of these things. I was just like, no, that I'm not, I'm not subscribing to that belief. I'm not subscribing to that belief at all. I want less compromises. And so for me, I want to be in fantastic physical shape. I want to be able to be acutely with my mental faculty dialed in. I want to be able to 
rock up as a father to my four daughters and be the best possible dad that I can be for them. I want to be loving. I want to be compassionate. I want to be joyful. For my wife, we've nearly been married for 11 years now. Do you know what I mean? I want to be the best possible man that is able to be the king for her, the best is able to serve her on a day-to-day level. So for me, it comes to accepting where the chapter is. And I think where you said, like, is it a is it a man thing? Is it a woman thing? Like, how does this look? So our youngest daughter, Noah, she's eight months old and I could see, and so with Lauren and I in the conversations that we have, like I could see my wife, Lauren, go through the process now because we've done it four times. I've been able to see the process. She also had a miscarriage uh, in the middle of there as well. She's, just, she's had five pregnancies. And so there was a acceptance from her level of, okay, I now have a, do you mean a newborn and we have three other children. So when she, when Noah was born, I then was like, hey, I'm going to take care of the eldest three. I was like, I've got the big three. You've got the little one. Do you know what I mean? Like you just be in your bubble. You go through this process and it's understanding like what happened. So for her, like business stuff really went to the wayside. Um, doing is she going to the gym and all that stuff as often as she was like before? No, but it was like it was like it's changing of it. So it's accepting what can I actually be doing, um, and then understanding how you're showing up. So for a very practical like way in which I do this myself, I literally rank myself and set an intention every single day. So I journal in the morning and through the six areas of my life as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as an entrepreneur, as my happiness and as my health. These six areas, I will literally set an intention at the start of the day for how I want to show up. And my question for it is today will be a win when dot, dot, dot. And then I answer. That's so good. Yeah. So it's like for the six sections at the end of the day, I look at it and I go, did I show up? And did I do what I intended to do for the day? And then I'll actually rank myself like one out of 10. Can't use a seven because a seven is a cop-out number. But one out of 10, (laughs) I'll rank myself for the actual day. And my uh, intention is I want nines and tens. I want on Mm -hmm. a day-to-day level to be nines and tens. And if I see an eight, I'm like, oh, damn. How do you rank yourself? So yeah, no, this is really, this is super awesome. But we have to have a level of honesty and transparency with ourselves. How do you yes. self, self-define self what a nine or 10 is versus an eight? How, what's the differentiating yes. factor there? So th- this is a great question because this goes to what I call self-parenting and which I feel like a lot of people are not able to do very well because this comes from like really having true awareness and honesty with oneself. And that's, it's a gut feeling at the end of the day. Like, I don't think someone can very much say, oh, like it's a, like, this is the clear definition of it. And again, I will ask my wife as well. I was like, how do you think I've been showing up? What would you rank me? Do you know what I mean? And I'll ask those questions from time to time to kind of get a bit of a reality check as well. But for me, it's literally looking from an output scenario. So it's not a result right? So this is the difference because what happens in the world and in our life, that is outside of our my control. What is in my control are my thought and my actions. That's all I can control. So that's all I'm wanting to rank myself on. So if I can Love say it. my intention for my thoughts and actions today are this, then I know at the end of the day, well, did I do that or not? And then I can give myself a number. Now let's talk about this process. So when you, how long have you been doing this process? How many years? Uh, This ranking probably about 18 months. 18 months. Okay. So when you started this, I would imagine you were pretty, pretty, um, were you, were you getting some good nines and tens already when you were starting this or was there a, it was like, it was like up and down. Okay. Okay. So tell us about that process. So, so when you were starting, some days were, were five, some days were nine, some days were lower, higher, all over the place. How did you course correct? Was it just oh, an awareness practice? So at the end of the day, actually today was a three. I, I sucked on this part of my life and I just have to, I have to own it. And you just that level of awareness was enough or did you take an extra? step like one of the things that i do at the end of the day is is what would i have done differently what would i mm-hmm. actually i say it differently i say what would i do differently 
Be- mm-hmm. Because there are things that went well and things that didn't go well. When when it didn't go well, what would I do differently? That's an internal thought. That is a an action thought. And when I do that, I up level because I'm I'm priming myself. I'm setting my mm-hmm. my intention for if I experience this again, mm-hmm. which tomorrow's like c- can be Groundhog Day if we let it be. I'm gonna and do it, and this. It most likely will. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what's your process on that? What do you do? Okay. So uh, I'll send you the links. If you want, you can put in the show notes. I've got actual videos going through my morning and my evening rituals, uh, which go actually like literally question by question, how I word it and stuff like that. So I'll give you those links to be able to put in. But I think what's more important and to take away from here is two things, which is one, it's acceptance. And I'll come back to that chapter theme. So for example, if I, if I fly to the US and I'm shooting interviews and I'm going into masterminds and all this kind of stuff, as an entrepreneur, I'm going to be ranking myself very highly. As a father, I'm ranking myself really lowly. But it's understanding that that's a part of the ebbs and the flows. So the idea is not hitting 10 out of 10 on absolutely everything every single day. It's understanding that some things will get a higher priority. Well, the, the true definition of priority is like one thing that's most important. So one thing is going to be most important and understanding that the other things may not be super high. And that's okay because then, again, it comes back to what's my output what are my thoughts and my actions for that specific thing? So you're traveling, you're not present with your family, you're mm-hmm. you're you're doing your entrepreneurial thing. Mm-hmm. I would make an argument, and I'm, I'm curious about what, what you have to say, that you're setting an example of going after your dreams, of being of service, being doing your work in this world, being generous. Your your role modeling gives you points like 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 why is that not a nine or a ten even if you're not in the same room with your girls it's a fantastic argument that most definitely can be made and i'm probably a lot harder on myself than i should be um so that's why i would probably say to myself like as in i'll rank myself let's say i'm in the state shooting interviews and in the day, I rank myself. I'm like, as a father, do you mean low? Maybe I had a, do you mean a Zoom call with the girls or I send some loving voice notes to them, like saying goodnight or having a voice note for when they wake up, do you mean they can hear me giving them a message or something along those lines? Um, like every night, like I do like a guided meditation for my girls to go to sleep. So I might record something like that and send to them. But I know that it's a part of the ebbs and the flows. So I don't feel down about it. And I think that's probably the most important thing because it's like understanding where we're at, but then it's also doing how does it make me feel? And then how does that change where I'm operating from, my state um, or from how I'm operating moving forward? And it does come through. And I don't think I've actually ever publicly talked about this, but the the thing, the practice, the practice that was most definitive in doing this is multiple times throughout the day, I will ask myself, what is my intention? And it's uh, having that pause to go, what is my intention? And being able to do that three, four, five plus times a day. So for example, I was on the bike riding here to my office and I was like, what is my intention? I go, my intention is to best show up for these interviews. And then I will do it like after this, I'll go for a walk on the beach and then I'll set my attention to blah, blah, blah. I'll do that multiple times a day. Now that it's taken me, like I meditate twice a day and I've done this for like quite some time. I've gone deep into meditation practices, different practices. And it took me a really long time to get to the point of doing that. And so like one part of it is like in my journaling in the morning, I'll say like, what is my intention for the day? And that's, that starts me off. And there's been mm-hmm. more days that I could poke a stick at a mirror. When I come back and look at my journal, I go, crap, I didn't set my intention more than once in the day. Like I did it at the start of the day and then that was it. And I was like, oh, bugger. Like, so it, it took me time and repetition and learning and a sense of slowing down and like calming myself, taking a conscious breath and being like, what's my intention now? And then being able to do that move forward because that practice alone profoundly has changed how I show up because I'm more conscious and aware during the day. Yeah. So it sounds like you have 
a lot of self-awareness. At the end of the day, you're honest with yourself. And instead of beating yourself up, you're doing something that other people don't do. And I, I just want to underscore this. You're reflecting on it, but not letting it take you down and back to your set point. You're like, it's a calling forward as opposed to a, I think a lot of people, I know I've experienced this where I, I, I see myself. I'm like, oh, look, I just did that thing again. I just, mm-hmm. I just lost sight. I just went unconscious. And mm-hmm. you can go into a thousand lashes or you can go into, okay, well, let's better our best. Let's keep going. And I think that that, how much has your, your experience in working out? And then I want to circle back to raising girls. Okay. One of the things that I have picked up on by listening to people who have, have built a, um, disciplined workout routine is that they've learned discipline through being someone who works out were you always disciplined? You said you you were overweight as a kid. So you had to learn discipline. Is that correct? Yes. Something comes up for me that's, I don't know if it's learning discipline. I think it's building the skill of discipline, but underneath that, there is your identity. And I think it's more important to look at what's the identity in which I'm actually showing up from each day and how do I actually change that? Because the fruit of my identity will then naturally demean come into what my actions, routines, behaviors, character traits, these be. But hundred yeah. percent. Did you know that at eighteen, or is that a the wise Chris? No, uh, I did not know that at eighteen. Yeah, no. yeah I did not know that early. I had no. I mean I learned that in my forties. Okay. I learned that identity drives, uh, drives decision. Like that is like huge. And I was just actually pulling together my notes for, we we have a summit coming up in November. And uh, I was pulling together my notes uh, over the weekend. I was sitting outside on the patio with my iPad and like looking over what I wanted to teach and pulling it all together. I freaking love it. It's like one of my, one of my happy places. And I was like, working on how I was going to like new perspectives always drop in on, on the stuff. I was like, identity drives decision. And that's one of the things that I'm going to hit home with at the, at the summit because, and then decisions drive actions, right? Our choices drive our, our actions and our actions drive our results. I mean, there's a lot of different flows that you can take with the, you know, like thoughts, feelings, actions, all of that. But like, but, but like identity drives decision and decision drives you know, your actions and actions will create results and they're either positive results or negative results, but it, it's part of that, that flow there. Anyways, I think this is, this is hugely important. So, so you, you had to become someone mm-hmm. who was disciplined, but at 18, you ha- also had to learn discipline. Um, it, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg kind of thing. You had to learn discipline to become someone who could own the discipline as an identity. Yes, Am I right I think about it's, that? It's, it's practicing and skill. And it's obviously it's great with hindsight, looking back and connecting the dots, but it's very much to like the original questions, like the correlation between fitness and business, for example, huge, huge. Like, and it's very much the case of like, you got to put the reps in. And the whole idea of putting the reps in, and it's not dirty reps either. It's good quality repetitions, good quality actions, like actually being able to, like in a fitness standpoint, it's literally teaching the body the movement pattern of how the body best moves and then being able to then ingrain that movement pattern uh, so that you can continually do it and it becomes a kind of like unconscious skill that you can continually do. And so- that's very much the case with entrepreneurship because you will be consciously unaware that you're not good at something that you need to be able to do. For example, sales calls. Let's use sales calls for an example, right? So when someone's starting out having to jump on calls and they're hopefully trying to sell their product or service or whatever, they're typically going to have some script 
that they've got in front of them and it comes off really robotic and it just doesn't it's fumbly and it, there's a lot of friction involved and it's not great great that's what we want and again when i've taught sales do you know what I mean it's typically like you know what get 30 sales calls under your belt before you start asking any questions because i just want you to put start putting some reps in do you know I mean like you're going to learn more through the doing rather than constantly trying to like go read books or listen to podcasts or something like that just go have sales conversations for example so it's putting those repetitions in and then I believe that translates a lot to all of these other skills and then character traits that we need to be able to build upon ourselves as well. And then obviously, do you mean that starts to actually change the identity? But for me, I don't know a quick way to change identity. Like, Jesus, I think if I did, do you mean like I'd be off a yacht in Sardinia, do you mean right now? Like, it's, it'd be amazing. But it comes down to like understanding that it's slow. And again, there's like that understanding of what reality is. And like, when you start to change things, you know what, this is going to be a process. And for me, this, this one concept has changed a lot in my life. Change the time horizon in which Mm -hmm. you are trying to think that you're going to like have or achieve or do things. So rather than thinking, Oh, great. You know what? In 90 days, I'm going to be ripped. Okay. No, That's not the case whatsoever. How do you want to be looking, feeling, performing in two years, five years, 10 years down the track? And let's start to make that happen with the business. I want to be able to have doing a $10 million a year business. Okay, great. Can you do that in 10 years? What about 25 years? And so as soon as we start to extend that time horizon, I immediately feel stress just like drops immediately. And it's like, wow. There's not this time pressure that we're having to put on things because that, I think, brings about the need and necessity to enjoy the process or to just be a part of the process each day, which yeah. is, for example, how you get in shape. You just you, you do your workouts, you eat the way you need to do, you sleep, you, like, you have all of your stuff, and you just have to do it every single day. And then just the same reps. Business, yep. And I think it's the same yep. with everything else. Yeah. So I think this is, there's two really interesting things here. Well, so many interesting things, not just two, but the patience and the action bit is so important. And, and it's confusing for people because they hear, do the reps. That's the, the action. Like we've been talking about, like making sure you, put the the reps in not the dirty reps but the the good reps in that's action and sometimes when people hear patience and time horizon they they translate that to i don't have to put the reps in today and that's just not true it's it's you have to put the reps in today and you have to give yourself a time horizon that's spacious now if you put the reps in and you do the right things, you can actually shorten the time frame with which you you achieve your goals. And it starts, what's interesting is it starts to happen faster than you ever thought possible, but not because of struggle or stress or anything. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I want to also go back to identity. So I think of changing identity, and this is again, how I teach it is you have to get clear about who you want to be and you have to figure out what actions someone who is that would take. And then you have to do two things. You have to go do those actions, even when it feels scary or not right or not who you are before you feel ready. And constant space repetition for telling yourself, who you are, repeating again and again, who you are, not taking your eye off the ball on that. And if you do that, both the inner game piece of speaking to your subconscious and your identity and the outer game piece of taking action, which which reinforces the new identity to the subconscious because you've done the thing and you haven't died. If you do reps on that, you change your identity and you you become someone who's working at a much higher level. Now, what happens for most people is it feels really uncomfortable to take that action. So they don't take it. You know, unlike you, I came from a family of people who 
got kudos. Well, maybe just like you. I don't know what your your upbringing was. So I I, I take that back. I I came from a family who who didn't take bike rides on Saturday, but argued about what they read in the New York Times. That was my upbringing. Okay, and so I did not have any role model for working out. And the difference is, I in my forties. Uh, finished a marathon. I ran, walked a marathon, and it changed my identity of who I was in this world because I'd never done that before. Now, here's here's the sucky part about it, Chris. Full transparency is that after I finished that, I didn't set a a, a new goal, a lifestyle goal, a five year, ten year, um, next level goal, and I didn't have anything that I was working towards, and I stopped. I stopped running. And I went back to running every once in a while. I'm back in the the phase of getting back into it and it feels good. But that's been a real wake up call. I thought that identity had shifted, but I didn't keep the discipline up. I didn't keep the, the, who I was being up and it, and it, and, um, so I'm right back at it. Yeah. Congratulations and kudos. Um, I think that's great. So for me, my parents uh, had me when they were 17. They were both 17, my parents were, when I came into this world. And had, coming from a family where I was like, we didn't have much money um, and doing, oh, I, I, I look back now and I love that they weren't able to give me any of that stuff because it created this person with this drive that I now have come very much to peace with. And... I think that was a great thing. And again, I'm, I'm I'm making up a story about that to make myself feel good as well because I've like done totally. the work and like gone through those forgiveness <laughs> exercises and all that, done the psychedelics, like, do and I've done that. Um, so again, it's just a story. Like, is there a meaning to life? No, I don't think there is. Like we make a meaning. We're meaning-making machines at the end of the day. And so I think when it comes down to like the – you ran, walked a marathon, kudos, that's amazing, but then you didn't set the next thing uh, and then most likely you fell out of the habits. I think of two things, which is one being some people jump up and down and say, like, how long does it take to form a habit? I think the technical answer is forever because if you break the habit, then you broke the habit and it's not there anymore. <laughs> like you just have to do it every single day. And then secondly, it actually comes down to, the epiphany that I had after selling the company, which was now being in a place of financial freedom, I don't have to work for money to sustain the lifestyle that I want to have for the rest of my life. I came to this realization that we earn money so that we can work. The idea is to do more work. It's not to get out of work. People found out I sold the company. They're like, oh my God, what are you going to do now? I already knew what I wanted to do. So I was in a, that very fortunate fact that I kind of like went through that dark night of the soul before I actually like was in the actual position because yeah. I was like literally next day, like straight into it and I, I knew what I was doing. But it was understanding that we're, we're put on this earth to work, to give, to ultimately it's to give. And I want to be able to operate from the, the standpoint now where I'm like, wow, I'm in such a grateful position that I can give as much as I possibly can. So I feel very invigorated about learning and mastering the things that I want to so that that immediately turns into me being able to give as much as possible and then thinking of it as a flywheel effect because me giving, I want to be able to learn more so that I can give more, so I can learn more, so I can give more. And like for me, it's this cycle that I want to continually perpetuate that becomes really easy to be able to actually have uh, doing on a day-to-day level. So I think that's where it comes down to like understanding again, and it could come to the point, like for me, I went through this process in Mira where I was questioning everything in my life. I actually, I came upon, I had a great male model. Uh, he gave me a recommendation for a book. It was Alison A. Armstrong's work and it was called The Keys to the Kingdom. Um, and then it got me into this other book that was actually called uh, Death of a Hero, Birth of a Soul, which is fantastic for me. And especially as a man, this is specifically for men. And it just resonated with where I was going through life. And I was going through what Alison calls the tunnel, which is going from prince to king. And so for me, going into this king phase of my life, 
I had to go through this tunnel and a part of that was like the killing off of this hero, this ego, so that I can actually become someone completely different on the other end. And I really started to feel that, but I questioned everything. I questioned, do I want to be married with Lauren? Do I want to be the type of father that I am? Where do I want to live? What's the work that I want to do? There was one day I stood in the gym for like three minutes. I literally stood there for like three minutes. I go, do I even want to do this anymore? Like I've been doing this ritually for years now. Like, do I just want to be a fat dude? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just like a slob. And I questioned everything from a place of like consciously choosing what I want to do and where I want to be and who who I want to be. And I that's a painful process. And it's an arduous process and it's an energetic tolling process as well. But I think it's very important to do as well. I love it. Yeah. I I'm gonna I'm gonna take that in. I'm gonna play with that and question everything. That is something that I'm gonna I'm gonna integrate for sure. Okay, so let's shift the conversation, Chris, because I wanna wrap up and I wanna I wanna get to how to raise girls. Like what's your philosophy on that? What what is your um, I mean, it could be parenting, but specifically you're raising girls and you've done a lot of deep thinking. You're very conscious human. You're, you're being very intentional about how you're being a father. How do you look at raising girls in this day and age? What are you, what are you concerned about? What are you, what are you paying attention to? My current answer to that question is I want to be the man that they will marry. And now whether it's not the the man because you know, they could marry a woman and it would be that's fantastic, but it's do I act from the place from a day-to-day level, the who I am, the essence of who I am and how I show up day to day. I want to be that person that they're going to spend their life with because that's the strength the commitment, the values that that person is being able to be. So I want to be the best person I can be for them. So I need so to let me repeat this back stuff. to you so that I understand. So I want to be the person that they will marry. And you want that because then you're instilling in your girls that because I'm, I'm reading between the lines here. You tell me if I'm uh, on the right track. Yeah. That you know that you have Chris Duffy has a huge high fucking standard, okay? Like your standard of what it takes to be a good human in this world, a good father, a good partner is is pretty darn high. So if you show up at that level and they see that as your role mo- as their role model, then that's what they're going to be looking for in their lives. And then if they, if they end up match, they, they will end up matching with that as adults when they're ready to be in partnership and in marriage. And that will be a hugely positive thing because the people that we connect with, particularly our primary love partners are so impactful to our yes. health, well-being. There's two parts to yeah. it, which is yes to the partner, but I don't think that's the most important part of it. There's one key thing I've learned from being a father so far, and that is they don't learn from what you say, they learn from what you do. I just want to operate from that's kind of like level one foundation kind of like operating system belief. And so the way that I show up is to be the person that I want the kind of from, from them to be able to have the essence for themselves. And so for me, like you said, like I have awareness. I look at my daughters, they are incredible with their self-awareness. Like they'll be able to say, Oh, I've got big feelings. Can I have a hug? Or I've got big feelings. I'm feeling this. I need to do this. Now I just need to go have some time. I need to just like, and I'm like, Oh my God, that's incredible. Like, this is like, like, it's it, like sometimes we call them the self cleaning oven. Like, it's just so good. It's like, oh my God, like they're just doing it themselves. This is amazing. But I believe that does come from them witnessing what we do, what Lauren and myself do, and you know, the, the other people that we have obviously in our life as well. And so, from my point of view, what is it? This is the question that I have. What can I control? Chris, what can I control? I can only control my thoughts and actions. So the thing is, I can only do my best with what that is. Outside of that, 
I have to let go of my attachment to any other stories or any other expectations or any other things that I want or anything like that, because I can't control that. Like that's, do you know what I mean? Like that's not doable. Like I will go to, I will put my daughters to bed every single night. And as often as I can, I will remind myself that this could be the last time that I see them alive. Either I could die in the nighttime or they could. And I do that because it's extremely empowering to come back into the moment and to have the gratefulness for the most important things. Because I want to be able to be on my deathbed, truly looking back in my life, being like, you know what, Chris, you did good. You showed up. You did your best. Like you're there for it. Awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to move yeah. on. I, I want to be able to answer the question on a day-to-day level, today is a good day to die. And I say that from a empowering standpoint because it means that I've been doing what I wanted to have done that I expect for myself so that I could best serve the people in my life. How do you know? You said, I can only control my thoughts and my actions. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people have conflicting desires about what actions they should take. Do I do this over here or do I do this over here in the same period of time? Which do I choose? And you have a level of clarity about that, that I think people can learn from. So how have you become so clear about what actions, because you have choices every single day and there's more desire than time, right? There's more things you can do generally than time time on your plate if you're someone who has a curiosity about life and is creative and all of that. So how do you go about uh, filtering, prioritizing, making those decisions. You seem very clear about that. Thank you. I invest the time into thinking. I don't think enough people actually do the thinking. If I could be honest, Mm. I feel like it's sitting down. Number one, it's actually being able to concentrate. So one of the benefits of having a mindfulness or meditation practice is truly learning concentration. So being able to sit in a space by yourself without distractions and being able to go through a thinking process. Now for me, journaling I find is an exceptional tool because I can have that conversation with myself and it's almost like there's a BS meter between my brain and my fingers. And it's like, before it comes out on the paper, I'm like, ah, wrong Chris, like mm-hmm. be honest with yourself. Like th- there's an essence of truth uh, that can come through with that and being able to get through clarity. So. I think it really does come down to thinking and like having the time and the space and the awareness and the presence and the concentration to actually be able to do do that. And I think that's where it comes down to there's a dark side to it because I feel like there is the ability, I can very much overthink. So for when, from when I signed the deal to sell the company to closing date, it was only five weeks. And during those five weeks, I thought through everything, everything, everything. I was, I was like up at three in the morning. Every, like it was like this weird thing at like three in the morning, every single day, my mind would just like pop open and I'd be like, dude, it's time to think through everything. And I was just like mulling through it all. It, I overdid that. Absolutely. And because I very much wanted to, I was trying to control things I couldn't control. And mm. so for me, the, image that comes in my mind is whenever I feel like there is a forcing element happening, I remind myself to release the clenched fist in my mind. Because so much of the time there's this clenched fist in your mind that's trying to control and just overdo things. And I think that also happens to come back to your question, Amira, which is understanding that if you've got two different options, um, Charles Darwin, uh, so an incredible thinker of humanity, okay, an incredible scientist, an incredible mind. Uh, there is a brilliant actual, in, from his journal notes, he actually journaled a pros and cons list whether he should get married or not, right? So he actually sat there and was journaling, we're like, why should he get married or not? One of the points he said um, was it would be better than having a dog right? Having a wife would be better than having a dog. So you're pretty like low bar. It was like, 
if you actually go through it, it's hilarious what he was saying. Any, if you logic, logically, if you looked at the list in which he wrote for should he get married or not, because it was like there's extra expenses and if he has children, um, do you know what I mean? Like what's the, the, the cost of having children and like the heartache of having children and possibly losing them, which he actually did. Would his wife want to move somewhere else because he doesn't want to have to move, in which he actually did. Uh, and so it's hilarious looking through it because logically you look at the list and be like, you shouldn't get married at all. That's terrible. Like you could be one of the most amazing scientists of the time, which he did. And then he has this stream of consciousness in his journal, which would have just been like this midnight, just dumping of his mind. And it was just like, do it, get married, get married, get married. And he actually doing here, he got married. So I don't think it's logically trying to force an answer. Why I share that story is because so much of the time, I think we're trying to make the right decision. But what if we made the decision right? So what if we tried to let go of, oh my God, I need to make the right decision to get this right thing. Sometimes we're not going to make the right decision. And there's so much stuff that's outside of our control. Like I put it to the goddess of fortune, right? So the goddess of fortune is going to have much more control over so much in what I can actually have. I just have to accept the unfolding of what life is as well. So again, there's a paradox. There is a paradox of, yes, I need to make the right decision because I shouldn't be a douchebag and do the wrong thing. But then there's also like what happens happens. And so therefore I just need to kind of like let go of my expectations um, of it as well. Yeah. Almost everything that one could teach and latch onto as a line in the sand, there's a duality to it. There's a light side, the light and the shadow to it. And, and it, and it's not just if you overdo it, it's like, there's just two, two sides to it. This is the law of polarity. There are two sides to everything. I call it self-ownership. When, when, when you trust yourself to understand that, that it's not textbook, there isn't a fill in the blanks, paint by numbers kind of way of living life that you actually have to put yourself on the field of play. You have to experience life and then you, you start triangulating the information and then you start having that self ownership, that self authority, that self trust. And then you know when it's time to wake up at three in the morning and that's productive and it's making the deal go through well and it's dotting the I's and it's doing the right thing. And when you need to let go of the fist in your head and actually like right now I'm, I'm over the line and now I need to do this instead. And you have that, that, uh, self awareness and self trust and, and that you you understand all the things that we've actually been talking about today the the sort of patience and action the the identity piece around like who you're being right all the all the stuff does discipline come through the habit and the reps or does it come through the identity and who you're being right it's it's you have to know when to press which lever, when to emphasize which side so i find this fascinating okay so we, I could talk and talk and talk. This could be a, a Rogan po- podcast and it could be three hours. Um, but we're going to, we're going to wrap. I, I want to finish with a, a few questions and some reflections. But before I do that, um, two things. Where can people find you? And do you have anything else you want to share in terms of being a father to unstoppable women, soon to be women, girls right now? Thank you. I appreciate that. The best place to go for anyone uh, to have more is just the Christopher Dufay podcast. That's where I'm sharing as much as I possibly can throughout my journey and documenting what I'm going through and having amazing conversations just like this with amazing people, just like you and Mira. And uh, so that's the best place, the Christopher Dufay podcast. I, for the advice and like where it's at, I obviously can only really speak as from like a father's point of view and a man's point of view. And that's where I come down to the, the three words that I want to remind myself most, which is loving, compassionate, and joyful. So for me, am I being as loving, compassionate, and joyful? One, to myself, because I did not do that. I've struggled very much with worthiness and self-love previously. So it was actually coming to that for myself. Then it's obviously to my daughters. And then it's obviously to my wife as well. 
um, and then it's to the rest of my community. But specifically for my daughters, and then also comes down to me having four fantastic children is treating them individually and not lumping them together and being like, like people have asked me like, what's your like, do you mean like philosophy or thesis? or like, how do you parent? And it's like, well, I have four different parenting styles because there are four different children. There are four different individuals and they need different things at different times as well. And so for me, it's just a very much a case of, okay, how do I accept this beautiful human being, this soul for who they are right now and actually just being there because anytime I'm not accepting them um, for who they are, I'm coming at it from a different story that's not serving, not coming from the best place to serve. And so it's very much been the case of me saying to myself, they are perfect the way they are right now. And so for me, I want to accept them for their perfection in this moment and being there in that moment. Mm, I love it. So good. So good. So my final question, what do you love most about yourself? Mm, I love who I am. I love who I am. I could cry thinking about it because I did not, I, I have not for such a long time. It's, it's a beautiful ride, this life that we get to have. And I want to be able to accept every single day of it gracefully and to be able to have the appreciation for it as well. And I think there's just been a level of acceptance and forgiveness and like then like love that I can give to myself and be like, you know what, Chris? Yeah, you you are doing good. You are like being the best that you can. And like, yeah, you stuff up at things, but you get back on the horse and you you fix it and you move forward and you improve and you evolve. And there's a level of acceptance there. So I think to answer the question, there's a totality of just like love for myself because I believe we're all one at the end of the day. If you really go down to the, like peeling that onion all the way through, loving myself is loving you, which is loving the listener, which is loving the entire experience that we have right now as what we're having right now in consciousness. So yeah, I think that would be it. I think that's pretty special and pretty good. And I just want to end the podcast with some reflections. I think that the level of generosity and transparency that you come to this conversation with is exceptional. And I've really appreciated the, the, the way that you've owned your expertise and owned your wisdom and owned the, the hard one, uh, knowledge and and self-awareness that you you have right now how you own that how you appreciate that and really claim it while still being um on the journey and very much aware that there's there's ever ever more growth there that that you 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 own both sides and well there's that that theme again all the, all the sides um mm. but but i i love that you can claim the 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 strength and understand the journey and and share it from a place of just pure wanting to be generous and and grow and i know that i have appreciated this so very very much and I think our, our listeners are going to eat it up. So please go check out Chris Dufay's podcast. Christopher Dufay, we'll put it in the show notes um, and follow him and send him some love. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Amir. I love you and I respect you. You're an amazing human being. Thank you. Thank you.